Which of this year's Oscar nominees once made out with George Clooney just before being attacked by an invisible bear? Ooh, I know. I know you do. <laughs> but we've got plenty of great stories. Welcome to the Fright Club podcast. This edition, Skeletons in the Closet. This is going to be fun. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we're from madwolf.com. And welcome to this month's Fright Club. Yeah, because everybody has one of those, at least most big-time actors. You look back on their resume, and it's a lot of fun to look at the movies that they started out in. And some of them are pretty bad. Yeah, no, it's funny. This is a, this is a particular fun, guilty pleasure interest for me. I, I've always been a little obsessed with this, and I've sort of collected over the years... A lot of these skeletons in the closet. And actually, uh, about a year ago, I started writing a blog for ScreenRelish.com called Skeletons in the Closet. Once a month, I just go back and we look at some of the early, often horrible work of big A-list actors in, in horror films. And you know what? That's a great title for that blog. Who thought of that? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I come up with the titles. You do everything. The, you do the heavy lifting. <laughs> I'm the title guy. But uh, no, it is a lot of fun because I've done this, too, for years. Just if I catch an old movie, uh, you know, on the whatever late show or whatever, and I see the credits, I will stay till the very end of the credits just to see who played doorman number two. Exactly. And how often it's somebody you've heard of. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, every year uh, when the Oscar nominees come out, I always, I mean, because so many of the biggest people, you know, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Critters 3, (laughs) you know, Brad Pitt, Cutting Class, you know, I mean, so often the the Oscar winners and nominees, they've got some skeleton in their closet. And what's the one, uh, I know Tom Hanks had one. He knows you're alone. Wasn't that his very first? It one? was, or, or one of the. Very it was. It was a bad he knows slasher. You're alone. Yeah, it was like a a bride stalker slasher. It was terrible. Yeah. But and that's the thing. One of the things I love about this is it's so often. When the guy who's going to eventually be an A-lister, when he's finally on screen for five seconds, you're like, oh, acting. Look at that. Yeah. And that's that the case amazing? with a yeah. couple of the ones that we'll talk about today. Um, now, not always, because you've mentioned to me before how bad Brad Pitt is. In, I've never seen Cutting, Cutting Class. Class. Yeah, he's absolutely terrible in it. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it does happen sometimes where... They haven't discovered their talent yet? I'm not sure. It does happen sometimes. Well, you're right. Uh, and, and, and I mean, Clooney is in a million. I mean, that guy slugged it out in B-movie hell for a long time before he became George Clooney. <laughs> so we revisit him pretty often in our Skeletons in the Closet blog. But it is so true that you'll see one of these people, and even before, like you said, you knew who they were. Oh, that guy. Yeah, Or exactly. that girl. Uh-huh. That one. They, they know they, what they're they doing. They stand out yeah. a little bit. And that there's, that's especially true of one of the ones we'll talk about today. But... You know, when we went through, combed through the Oscar nominees this year, a lot of them have made horror films. Reese Witherspoon has made a couple, including, of course, the all-time glorious American Psycho. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's great in that. You know, um, Michael Keaton was in White Noise a few years ago. And then Eddie Redmayne, actually, I love Eddie Redmayne. I have loved him for years and years. And, he and right was now, in, you'd probably have to say that the, the best actor is probably this year a toss-up right now between Eddie Redmayne and Michael Keaton. I would think I mean, so. Eddie Redmayne just picked up the SAG Award, yeah. so... Uh, you know, I'd say the momentum yeah, they, is they, with him right, right now. No, I think you're right. They both got uh, Golden Globes for yeah. Best Actor because they split that up between right. comedy and drama. But uh, as we've talked about a lot of times, there's a ton of overlap in the voting population, Screen Actors Guild and the Academy. And so, yeah, I think that he may have the edge, Eddie Redmayne. Now, and he was in a, he was in a horror film a few years ago called Black Death, which is not terrible, I don't actually. That. Yeah. yeah, it was a very small, minor 
British film by the same guy who directed Severance, which I know you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Sean Bean is in it. So it's obviously set in uh, uh, the Middle Ages, because when is he ever in a modern film? <laughs> Brace uh, yourself. But Eddie Redmayne was great in it, you know. And so those aren't the ones we're going to talk about because those aren't skeletons. There's nothing to be really ashamed enough. of. They're, they're we, not bad we enough. We need it to be bad. That's right. That's so right. bad it's almost good and, <laughs> and fun to look at if you can take it. But that's what qualifies as a skeleton in the closet. And, and like you said, so many of, of the uh, actors have them, and so many this year of the Oscar nominees have them. So that's where we're going to focus uh, today. So where are we starting? Well, I thought we would start with um, probably the one most people are familiar with because it's part of a very fun and famous franchise of films. Patricia Arquette, her very first, her screen debut or big screen debut was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warrior. I won't let you die. I won't let you. I'm going to dream you into a beautiful dream. Forever and ever. All right, and that is the scene where she is holding Nancy. That's right. We're not going to say what happened to Nancy in case they haven't seen it. Okay, but... we won't. But that came out in 1987, <laughs> and that you say that was her debut. It was her, yeah, her big screen debut. Because yep. I, honestly, I, I, I remember seeing the first Nightmare on Elm Street, but then I lost complete track. Uh, I don't know how many there have been, who have been and what. I know well, Johnny Depp was in there somewhere. Yeah, no, I do. I know all those things. <laughs> I know um, you do. <laughs> but they're actually, uh, as a franchise, it doesn't have a ton of, of big names. Some of them do, and, and this does not. Obviously, Johnny Depp, yeah, he made his big screen debut in the first one. Uh, yeah, and I then he's, that. he turns into a big puddle of mush, which yeah. is really unfortunate. <laughs> and then he comes back in the fifth one. It's like a meta film. Anyway, um, but other than that, Patricia Arquette is probably the biggest star in any of the, the rest of the series. And by the third installment, um, I think funds and inspiration had really run kind of dry. And it's set in a, in a hospital, in a hospital ward for kids who have terrible nightmares. And Nancy, from the first episode, right. Heather Langenkamp, who's right. a terrible, terrible actor. Not good. No. And she's getting her master's degree or her PhD or something anyway in like sleep studies or something and she comes to this hospital and she realizes that it's freddy freddy's visiting these kids and so she um slowly and in a very wooden manner tries to help them all survive freddy and i'll tell you what she doesn't do a very good job (laughs) a lot of people die a lot of people die in this one and you know actually one of the things that i I love about this movie when it first came out it had an x rating really and it's funny because if you watch it now you're like really but there is one sequence where a kid who makes puppets in his dreams freddie pulls his the kids um veins out of his arms and feet and Freddie uses those to make oh, the kid behave like a puppet, I which see. is pretty gross. Yeah. Other than that, I cannot imagine what it is about this movie that was so appalling to uh, the ratings so board in 1987. It was X strictly for violence. There was no sexual. No, there's thing. no sex in it. Okay. Wow. No. That is that did, to get an X for violence, you got to get up there. Yeah, and it, I, I would say it doesn't. That's that's what I, it's my thought. And it, it's one where I mean, Patricia Arquette in Boyhood, which oh. is. One of our favorite films of the year, oh, if was, not our favorite film of yeah, the year. Yeah, so, so good. If you haven't seen Boyhood, certainly not, you know, a horror film by any means. It's so, so great. It, it leaves you with such a great feeling at the end. And, and she, she's magnificent. She's, she's great in it. And and I think she is pretty much of a lock this year, don't you think? She's going uh, she's to win. She's certainly the front runner. Yeah, about, I, really, yeah I, I really believe she's going to win. And well-deserved. The, mo- the movie is so great. Uh, so well put together and, and, and well-directed. And uh, she definitely deserves that nomination. Probably the win. And then you can look back over her career, and she's had some memorable roles, of Alabama course. Alabama Whirly. in True Romance. <laughs> you want to talk about some violence? Oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, Alabama in True Romance with Christian Slater. 
and uh, and and let's go back to Brad Pitt and maybe the greatest stoner oh my god uh, yeah. scene of all time where he's watching <laughs> the Flintstones and James Gandolfini comes to and he's so high that James Gandolfini as a like a, a hitman just doesn't kill him because no. why bother right, this exactly. guy is so high. he's no threat to us <laughs> oh my god but yeah. we're getting off topic here but that's great but True Romance uh, is one of her memorable roles and even going back to uh, a movie like Ed Wood oh yeah which Johnny Depp yeah which I enjoyed a lot I don't know how many people saw saw that movie yeah i don't think a lot of Martin people Landau did but got the oscar nominated well he he won that year didn't he, he yeah he stole what most people thought was going to be a sam jackson's oh, um oscar right. for pulp fiction came out the same year as pulp yeah. fiction yeah, so and it's a great won. movie and i think horror movie fans ought to check it out because yeah. especially if you like bad horror because it's about <laughs> ed wood the greatest bad horror director ever yeah i mean until yui bowl yeah so so uh and that's another one of her memorable roles but she's got quite a long resume and you wouldn't i think look what we were saying earlier you know, a lot of times you'll see a star in one of these movies and think, oh, yeah, she's going to go. I'm not sure you really think that here. She's certainly right. not the worst performer in the film. But nothing that jumps out. No. Yeah, yeah she definitely honed her craft as it went along. Yes. Um, Agreed. Uh, you know, culminating with this year. So yeah, please see, please see Boyhood. All right, that was from 87, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. And you know what? 87 might have been a, a, a high point because there's another great one in 87. Oh, like the the best. <laughs> It is one of the best bad movies of all time. Grizzly 2. Well, that was a rabbit. I'm out of here, guys. Have a good night. All right, if you can pick out all the voices in that clip, it's not only George Clooney and Laura Dern, but Charlie Sheen. Yeah is the third wheel in that movie. And that, that scene is just before Charlie Sheen goes off on his own into the woods, leave, leaving uh, Clooney and Laura Dern to get snugly in the, uh, in the sleeping bag before the unseen <laughs> grizzly comes calling, which is the hilarious thing about this movie. Yeah, it's, um, uh, the movie was actually filmed in 1983. It was never released until 87, and funds kind of ran out and dried up. But I think the fact is that by 87, some of the people who were in the movie were now known entities. So they kind of pushed it out, at least to the VHS market, to see if they could make some bucks back. But they, um, there is, if you sit all the way through this movie, and if you do, you deserve a medal. But if you sit all the way through it, at the end, during the concert, because they're all camping for a big 80s synth pop rock concert. Anyway, there's a, there's a grizzly bear at the end that they show, and he's clearly, clearly a big, stuffed, not moving grizzly bear with his arms up in the, in the air and his mouth open. Kind of picture like a Scooby-Doo episode. Like No, you know what it reminded me of? Remember that scene in uh, Patrick Swayze's... Um, the, oh, ba- yeah. <laughs> the bouncer movie, uh, Roadhouse, Roadhouse, where, where they this... all go to Ben Gazzara's house, you know, and he's got that big stuffed bear, yeah. and the fat guy is so scared of it, and they push it on him, and he yeah. what dies of a heart attack. I guess so, uh, but yeah, I think it might have been that same bear. So at the <laughs> that very bear end, was great. at the very end, the, you'll like hear the raw, and then they just show this clear puppet, just the standstill bear, and they you know make a raw noise, and then somebody stabs it, and it doesn't because it's a puppet. It's ridiculous, but. During the whole first two-thirds of the film, when all of the attacks happen, they they don't show the bear at all. And it's not like a Jaws tactic where it's like the less you see, the better. I mean, they just cut to black where you would see the bear's side of the attack. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. So in the scene that we just uh, we just played for you, you know, in a moment, Laura Dern, they just show Laura Dern and George Clooney screaming and screaming very believably, and then they never show anything happen to them or what they're screaming about. Right. You the, just sort of surmise, 
oh, are they dead? And then a second later, Charlie Sheen shows back up and then he runs away screaming. But you don't, you don't really know why. <laughs> so, yeah, let's make a movie about a killer grizzly bear. Well, how are we going to get the grizzly? Oh, let's not worry about it. We'll just, we're, and, and one of the things you also heard in that clip <laughs> was Michael Jackson's Billie Jean playing on the, on the tape deck. And if you, you know, if you're wondering, did they have rights to, to put Billie Jean in that movie? I'm guessing the answer is no. That's my guess as well. I want to point out, there's actually a clip where you can hear the dialogue better, but George was so preoccupied by whether or not they had the rights to listen to or to play Billie Jean. And I'm sure you're right. I'm sure they didn't. Oh, and yeah. we went with that They're one. They're probably hoping if they sue us, you know, that was what? You said 84, 83? So Michael Jackson at the, time. the biggest yeah, 83 thing going when they on. It. Oh, if exactly. Michael Jackson sues us, that's the best thing that could happen right. to us. It's just going to actually, yeah, yeah, in lieu of marketing dollars, <laughs> we'll get heard of. What are you going to do, take all our profits from this movie? <laughs> so, at that point, everything is out the window. So you've got George Clooney, an Oscar nominee and an Oscar winner already, mm -hmm. and Laura Dern, who's been an Oscar nominee before this for... Ramblin' Rose. Rose. And then, and then Charlie Sheen, who at the time this movie came out, that would have been uh, that would have been around platoon time. That would have been he'd already been in a film called The Wraith, which is another bad horror movie. But so you know, by the time they put this movie out, those three who who die inside of two scenes, uh, they might be the reason that this ever get, came out. To tell you the truth, <laughs> so Laura Dern this year, if you haven't seen Wild, she is nominated as uh, she plays Reese Witherspoon's free spirited mother, uh, and you you get the idea that. She is kind of the reason that Laura Dern's character, who is based on a real person, got her wandering, her wanderlust, so to sure. speak. And it's a really nice role, really nice performance. We don't think she's going to win. We no. just said that because mm -hmm. uh, Pat Patricia Arquette probably. But it's nice, and it's, it's, it's another reminder of what a long and, uh, and, you know, respected career she's had. Oh, yeah. Laura Dern is always great. And my, my, both, my two favorite of her roles were both the uh, David Lynch films, Blue Velvet, and then I love Wild at Heart. I love her in Wild at Heart. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah she's Lula. Lula. <laughs> and the fun, and the, it's, you got to mention. You are dangerously we, cute. <laughs> we have to mention, if you look back on one of her early roles, she was in a movie called Teachers. Oh, right. <laughs> which we, we are based here in Columbus, Ohio, and that movie was filmed here. That's right. Nick the, Nolte, an old Nick Nolte. Yeah, film. Nick Nolte. And there were many stories about Nick Nolte hitting the bars uh, on High Street when he <laughs> filmed that. But it was filmed at the old Central High School, uh, which has since been torn down and is now stands where uh, the new Center of Science and Industry is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a guy, a kid I went to high school with got a part in that movie. Wow. If, if you've seen Teachers, and it's so old, and it's Nick Nolte and um, Joe, Joe Beth, Beth Williams. Williams. And there's a little nerdy kid who Joe Beth Williams walks in on in the bathroom, and he's sitting on the toilet, like, reading a book. And then he also has one line as the nerdy kid uh, in one of the classrooms. And his name's Andrew Ream, and I went to high school with him. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> that's a long Your brush with greatness. That's a long way to go <laughs> for that story. But yeah, she was in Teachers as one of the kids, and uh, yeah, Wild at Heart, love that. So Wild, she's up uh, this year for uh, a well-deserved nomination, mm -hmm. and Grizzly Two, yeah, is a she, feather it, in that cap. It, and that's one where she is actually much better than most of the rest of the cast. She yeah. and Clooney both. They seem like very natural performers. In that movie, whereas everybody else in the entire film, and, and you know, there's some veterans, uh, Nurse Ratchet, Louise Fletcher, Louise Fletcher, I forget, yeah, yeah she's an she's Oscar a, winner. She won an Oscar for that one flew of the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, no, yeah. she did not win an Oscar for Grizzly <laughs> too. 
It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. But the bear is good <laughs> uh, when you finally see it. All right, that's of 87. So let's jump ahead uh, to one of our other Oscar nominees this year to 1996. Oh, yes. And the dentist. What's the matter? Well, what's the problem? Who are you? I'm Steve Landers, Dr. April is my client. Steve. Yeah, baby. Uh, yes, well, uh, yes, she's had a, a minor reaction to a small dose of nitrous oxide, that's all. Wow. All right, that's some back and forth between the evil dentist, which is Corbin Burnson. That's right. By the way, and the guy he's talking to, Oscar nominee Mark Ruffalo. And that is one, we were talking earlier about a guy who just, right away, oh, that guy can act better than that. If you watch this movie, he really jumps out in that scene. Is that his only scene? Yeah, he's got like a scene and a half, one in the waiting room and then one, you know, inside the dentist's office back where his client is being abused. And it is really funny. It's it's toward the end of the film. And you just all of a sudden you're like, what is this? Is that called acting? I mean, it's just so what the hell? Oh, my God. And he just looks so ridiculous. He's got like a pastel sweater over his shoulders that just. One of the things I think is funny about that movie is it actually came out in 1996. It looks for all the world like it was shot in 1984. I mean, everything <laughs> is like mauve and teal and puffy shoulders and yeah. big hair. It's like, what's going on? But yeah. You know, and not to not to rip on uh, Corbin Burnson too badly because he's, you know, he, he's serviceable. He's fine, yeah. But he's kind of putting it over the top in there, which is required of an evil dentist type role. Um, but uh, yeah, Mark Ruffalo definitely has that look of a guy who's probably going places, yeah. and he did. Yeah, he did. And he's uh, he's nominated this year for Foxcatcher. He's great. He he's is great, great. and that they're all three of them, the three main uh, actors in that movie: Mark Ruffalo, Steve Carell, who's, yeah, who's nominated. nominated as well, and Channing Tatum, who's never been better. No, he has uh, not ever been better. Yeah, the true story of uh, John Dupont and the wrestling team and the the bad situation that went down there. If you're not familiar with it, but please see that movie. It's great. Uh, and Mark Ruffalo definitely deserves a nomination. But you look back at his his resume, and of course he's the Hulk now in the Avengers, and that's big. But he's one of those actors that does that, kind of trades off the blockbuster, and then he'll go and do the small independent role. And that's where you really get a look at, you know, where his talent not that he's bad as the Hulk, he's not, but no. it's, come on, it's, it's the Avengers. No, I agree with you. And he actually he made a movie just a year ago, maybe, called uh, Thank You for Sharing, yeah. which was not a great film. It was not a bad film. It was about sex addiction, but he was just wonderful in it, um, just wonderful in mm. it. And that's the thing. I mean, he kind of always is. He was nominated for what? The Kids Are All Right. The Kids Are All Right. Yeah. That was, he was great in that. That was the one with Julianne Moore and Annette Bening, yeah. and, and, they, and they, he's the... The sperm, surrogate father, the surrogate yeah. father, yeah. the sperm donor, right? Uh, who they, who are the kid, the children of uh, the couple of which is Julianne Moore and Annette Benning, want to find out who their biological father is, and uh, and he should have been nominated for You Can Count on Me. He was so yeah, good in that movie with the uh, Laura Linney. Yeah, yeah, and they were great. So yeah, he's he's one of those guys that's always good. And also this past year, it was the HBO movie, The Normal Heart. Oh yeah, right? mm-hmm. didn't he want? He might have won an Emmy he, he for won that, a, or was nominated. He or won SAG. a SAG for sure. Yeah, uh, I know so, he was nominated for a Golden Globe. He probably won an Emmy as well. I'm not positive, but yeah, yeah so, he's he collected a lot of hardware for that. One of those guys that just is always, always good. impressive. Mm-hmm. And if you read about him, not a Hollywood guy. He no. lives out somewhere in I don't know. Montana or somewhere. I, I mean, he's, he's like opposed to fracking. I yeah. know that. That's he's like all. Woody Harrelson. He lives off the yeah. off the path. You know, not on Sunset Boulevard no. or everywhere. But people get a hold of him because they know what a solid actor he is. And uh, and this is just another case because Foxcatcher is really really good. But uh, the dentist, on the other hand, the is, den- is not. It's not. It's not good at all. Yeah. Actually, um, and this kind of disappoints me because I feel like they really missed a lot of opportunities for creepiness in a dentist's chair. I mean, they really did. There's a lot. Because going oh, to the dentist, yeah, so you're helpless, people. and you've just you're paying someone to hurt you. 
it's it's there are so many places they could have gone with it, and, and they so didn't. many people have a serious oh, serious. Yeah. You know, my stepmother years ago would never go; just wouldn't go, and it showed. <laughs> um, but she wouldn't go, and people are terrified mm-hmm. of the dentist. Mm-hmm. And so you're right; there's some opportunity there to really, really mine for some terror. And they chose not to. No, and now if I think of a dentist scene, I think of Little Shop of Horrors and Bill Murray and, and Steve Martin. Or Marathon Man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now, well, that one, yeah. Marathon Man, yikes. Uh, look that up if you haven't. Lawrence Olivier uh, giving the treatment to uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Wow. Is it safe? Is it safe? Creepy. It, that's, 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 that is. that's creepy dentistry at the height. That, oh, yeah. You're not going to do better than that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I forgot about that. Good call. So, uh, yeah, the dentist from 96, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, coming in and just uh, showing that, uh, hey, people, I can act here, and I'm moving on. So, And then jump ahead, boy, jump ahead to uh, 2008, and a guy who is, if he's not really the it actor right now, I don't know who is. Yeah, his uh, third Oscar nomination in three years, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, who who not very long ago, (laughs) just a few years ago, uh, he was the lead. It's not like it was buried in a late scene. He's the lead in a film called The Midnight Meat Train. What interests you? The city. Because no one's ever captured it. Not the way it really is. That's my goal. That's my dream. Then you're failing. The next time you find yourself at the heart of the city, stay put. Keep shooting. If that sounds a little bit familiar, then you've got an eagle eye because Bradley Cooper in Silver Linings Playbook, which he was also nominated for an Oscar yep. for and well-deserved. If you notice, one of the scenes, they're standing outside Such a, great scene. a movie theater and on the marquee, what movie is playing? But The Midnight Meat Train. It's so great because it's supposed to be <laughs> Halloween night. Yeah. And you remember it's the stop harassing me, he's harassing me scene. Yeah. And he you know, just loses his mind standing out there. And yeah, just right above them on the marquee. Oh my God, I laughed so hard. <laughs> that was so great. Yeah. Well done. So yeah. you can tell by the clip, if you haven't seen it, you can tell by the clip that he, and that was Brooke Shields, by the That's way, right. talking to him. Um, he's a photographer. And he ends up taking a certain picture on, it's a subway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he wants to take photos of the underbelly of New York. And so he just starts hanging out in the subway very late at night. And and, uh, and then he starts realizing, he recognizes the same person that just keeps showing up. And then kind of placing that person along with some missing persons. And then he gets all crazy. But And the bad guy is a very meticulously clad butcher with a butcher bag. And then, you know what? Anytime you see a guy like that on a subway in a closed space, I think it's wise to be creeped out by him. Um, it's a bloody, gory mess, this movie. It was, it was um, written by um, Clive Barker of Hellraiser fame. Oh, yeah. It, it doesn't uh, generate any tension, though. The performances are not very good. Bradley Cooper is not good. He's very overacts. He really overacts all the way through this. Ted Raimi... Uh, horror film fans will know that name. Sam Raimi's brother, who gets uh, killed in many, 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 many films. He gets killed in this when his eye comes popping right out at you. Um, uh, you know, so there are some sort of fun reasons to watch it. And and I've seen it on lists of underrated horror, but uh, I would say it is not. It's underseen. <laughs> a lot of people have not seen it. Uh, but it's 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 not a very it's not a very good film, particularly when you look at it. Clearly, they had some money to make it. I mean, it's well shot. They got a decent cast and uh, they got a great writer, obviously. But it's not a good movie. And, and the funny thing is, you mentioned it. This was not many years ago. This no. was 2008. And you know what? Even more recently, 
He made an even worse horror movie with an Oscar winner. How yeah. many people remember Case 39 with Renee Zellweger? We do because we oh. were one of the three people that saw it. God, that and was awful. It was awful. And you're just wondering, even at the time, you're wondering, why is he in this? Well, I guess they were dating They at were, the time. yeah. But uh, why was she in it? I don't know. Oh, God, it was so bad. But it was bad. So Midnight Me Train in 08, and that was really right before he really got on the upswing. Yes, it was. Yeah. He had that small part, the small memorable part in Wedding Crashers. Mm-hmm. And then for a few years after that, it was, oh, it's that guy in Wedding Crashers. And then, boom, they started coming. And he's got the, you know, the big uh, movies and the Oscar nominations for uh, American Hustle uh, and Silver Linings Playbook. Before that, he, of course, was in the original Hangover, right. which to me is still one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. And part of it is the great performances by those three guys. Yeah. Even while you're laughing, those guys are great. They are really great. And they great. sell that script. For me, the reason that movie works as well as it does is because it doesn't really matter which one of those three guys you're focusing on. Because in every scene, it's not like the guy who's delivering the line is being funny. The other two are doing something hilarious yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. So you, say what you want about the sequels, but the, the original, I think, still is one of the funniest movies ever made. And also, you can't talk about Bradley Cooper, especially this week. The news that came out about Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, right. Because the original movie was 2001, I believe. I think so. And if you haven't seen it, it's Bradley Cooper, it's Paul Rudd, it's Amy Poehler, it's uh, Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce from Frasier. A takeoff on these summer camp movies, and it's just a scream. It's hilarious. And Bradley Cooper is like the popped collar, um, preppy guy, and in the in the wants to put on a show. Yeah, and. It's, it's like the musical director or yeah, something. And oh, it's yeah. just a scream. And it, the word came out uh, this week that they are all the original people are going to come back and make it a Netflix series, which I cannot wait oh, for. No, that's what they do awesome. with it now is going to be is going to be great. But that's kind of like a sidebar. But of course, this year he's nominated again for American Sniper. So well deserved. I know that movie has become so much of a political football. It's it's such a a disappointment to me because it takes away from how effective the movie is when people bring their their politics and their views on either side, either side into it. It's a very effective movie, the best movie Clint Eastwood has directed in years. Mm. And Bradley Cooper, he's not going to win, but if, if he did win, I would say it's deserved. He is astonishingly good. Just so, so good. And if you haven't seen it, again, just blot out all the extra chatter you're hearing about it and go and decide for yourself. It's a great movie, and he's great in it. It's a, yeah, it's absolutely the truth. And, um, you know, the, what it was funny is because I don't think 10 years ago, obviously, anybody would have thought to themselves, Bradley Cooper's going to get three Oscar nominations in three right. years, yeah. you know, but he's really, uh, he's really transcended that pretty boy, you know, he image. Is. He's fact, a, he's a, such a solid actor. When I wrote the review of American Sniper for our blog, madwolf.com, mm. two D's, um, I said that if you still think he's a pretty boy, please Put down the People magazine and and look at the resume that he's building here. That but this... just don't look at Midnight Me Train. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? He's got enough uh, success now. He can laugh about it I just as we so. are. And Case Thirty Nine. Let's forget about Eesh. that one too. Yeah. So there you go. Skeletons in the Closet. Uh, the 2015 Oscar edition. We got Patricia Arquette, Bradley Cooper, Mark Ruffalo, Laura Dern, and you know what? Every year, probably from now till I don't know when. You can probably find some of these skeletons in Oscar nominees' closets. We'll help you dig them up. <laughs> so, nice. so check out the Skeletons of the Closet blog. We do it once a month for ScreenRelish.com. And, and then, of course, these podcasts we do weekly for 
Golden Spiral Media. And um, this we only we only focus on bad movies just in the skeletons in the closet. Every other week you're going to find recommendations for really great movies that you probably haven't seen. Yeah, and if there's any that you think that we missed, you're probably right. So please let us know. We can we've got a great voice feedback line for you on Golden Spiral Media, and that is 304-837-2278. That's the way you do it through the phone, but also you can do it online as well. Yeah, you can. Uh, just try out and submit a feedback response. Um, you can upload a pre-recorded audio file using the SpeakPipe widget to record an audio contribution. And this is on, again, goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Yeah, so we'd love to keep the conversation going. That way, also hit us up on Twitter. We are uh, at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And as you can tell, we love talking about this stuff. And, of course, we love ideas for future podcasts. And uh, please uh, let us know what you're thinking and anything that we missed. And uh Anything frightful. I just want to ask him, you know, what is your favorite skeleton in the closet? It doesn't have to yeah. be an Oscar nominee. Just a big star. You know, it could be Angelina Jolie and Cyborg 2. Just what is it? <laughs> what big stars, bad early horror film do you That's do right. you love? So there's a lot to choose from. Oh, so let my, us yes. know. And we will definitely, uh, definitely look forward to talking about it. So until next time, I am George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club podcast on Golden Spiral Media. Stay frightful, my friends.